this episode of The Full Nerd, DirectX 12 Ultimate, PlayStation 5, and your questions answered. We're just going to insert that. Sorry, we're going to have to cut all this extraneous part out because I have to look at my notes on my phone. Welcome to The Full Nerd, episode 130. I'm your host, Gordon Nung, coming from a van. Uh, also with me is co-host Brad Charkis. In coming a, from a home office. With a Rams jersey. That that confuses me. They are saying Todd Gurley's up for trade and the Tampa Bay Bucks are a hot spot. And they're already going to be signing Tom Brady, so I'm just putting the good vibes out there in the universe. I see, I see. And, of course, Adam Patrick Murray is remotely controlling the vertical and horizontal. Oh, I've got a, a horrible rat's nest of verticals and horizontals here. Uh, glad to glad to be here, at least, you know, to uh, talk about some fun news. Uh, I don't know anything about this DX12 Ultimate stuff, Brad. Please help me understand what the hell it is. Okay, cool. Well, so this is actually pretty breaking news. The embargo just lifted 40 minutes ago, so it's pretty new. Uh, we're seeing a lot of gaming news this week. We already had an episode earlier this this week where we talked about like the Xbox Series X specs. Uh, yesterday, the PlayStation 5 specs were announced, and today, Microsoft, in partnership with AMD and NVIDIA, and presumably some others, uh, announced DirectX 12 Ultimate. All this is happening because this was supposed to be the week GDC happened. Uh, that obviously got canceled for the same reason Gordon's calling in from a car. Uh, so we're still getting all that news. So DirectX 12 Ultimate is the next version of DirectX 12. It's pretty interesting because it uh, intrinsically ties development between the Xbox Series X and Windows PCs kind of together. It gives it the same underlying underpinnings. Uh it's doubly interesting because really a lot of the new features in there, AMD is committing to supporting all of these, obviously. They're the ones inside of the Xbox Series X. RDNA 2 group, group GPUs are also going to support all these technologies. But a lot of them were actually came to you first in Turing in the GeForce GTX 20 series graphics cards. So uh, NVIDIA is taking a little bit of a victory lap with this. A lot of the stuff they introduced a year and a half ago is now getting enshrined into DirectX 12 Ultimate, that's a long-ass name, uh, you know, becoming part of the industry standard. So, first and foremost, uh, there's nothing really new here for us on the PC side, but DirectX Ray Tracing 1.1. If you want to be DirectX 12 Ultimate compatible, you got to support hardware ray tracing. that's been the case in DirectX 12 on PCs for a while. It's been available because NVIDIA has made those GeForce GPUs. Now it's also coming to the Xbox Series X because Xbox Series X is going to support ray tracing. So now ray tracing is going to be everywhere. That's great. Uh, AMD's GPUs are also going to be in the PlayStation 5, which we're going to get to in a bit. Uh, DirectX is a Microsoft technology behind Xbox and Windows. So all these features we're talking about today apply to those. They don't necessarily apply to PlayStation 5, so that's just something to keep in mind. <clears throat> so, yeah, ray tracing. Ray tracing is going to be everywhere. Uh, but it also introduces a bunch of other technologies that are pretty interesting. Again, mostly introduced in NVIDIA's Turing GPUs, which is probably why NVIDIA 
reached out to us and offered to preview us on DirectX 12 because it's kind of like a victory lap for them. But the interesting yeah. thing to me... Hmm? No, I was just... Because uh, I, I, I attended the uh, virtual briefing as well, and they, 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 they highlighted the fact that uh, DXR 1.1, right? That, that we got that right. DX, DXR 1.1 was co-developed with Microsoft by and NVIDIA. Right, that was yep. kind of like w- w- this was our work. A lot of this was our work. There's that's very true. For what it's worth, AMD used similar verbiage in their sh- announcement today. Uh, theirs was much shorter, however, uh, and they did put and AMD also. You'll find it in my article, which is on PCWorld.com right now. Put up a video of a uh, ray trace scene running on RDNA two. So if you want to see AMD graphics running ray tracing, you can go check it out in that article right now. Uh, but the interesting thing to me about the rest of the announcements in uh, DirectX 12 Ultimate is that they all focus on having your GPU work smarter so I can get more performance out of the same, you know, out of that GPU. Uh, so ray tracing, obviously, even with dedicated hardware, can really hit performance. We've seen that with these GTX 20 series GPUs. It's presumably going to be the same across the board. So a lot of the other technologies introduced in DirectX 12 Ultimate are playing around with things so that, you know, you get higher frame rates with minimal loss of image quality. So, for example, DirectX 12 Ultimate supports Tier 2 of variable rate shading. That's a technology that, once again, was introduced in the GTX 20 series. It basically works on the principle of, like, if you have a fast-moving scene... Um, your eyes are going to focus on the primary things, and those are going to be rendered in full fidelity. But secondary images, like if you're playing Forza, the the grass on the side of the road worrying by, or the mountains in the distance, that's moving very fast. Your eye doesn't need that at full fidelity anyway, so it can cut down the level of detail in those elements to give you a performance gain so your GPU can be working on what you're actually going to see. So that's coming to DirectX 12 Ultimate. It, DirectX 12 already supported variable rate shading. It wasn't supported on consoles. This is unifying it across the board, basically. Uh, so in addition to things like that, uh, like content adaptive shading is another use for variable rate shading. That shipped in Wolfenstein 2 already, so if you have that game, you can go check it out if you have an NVIDIA GPU. Uh, the basic idea is that your your PC can identify portions of the screen that have low detail or like large patches of the same color and shade those at, again, lower detail so that the parts that your eyes are drawn to can be shaded in higher fidelity and give you more frame rate because those extra parts are being rendered at lower resolutions. So that's really cool. Uh, there's another technology called Mesh Shaders. That was introduced in Turing GPUs. I remember playing the demo in Cologne, Germany, almost two years ago at this point. Uh, Basically, it takes some of the burden off your CPU by, rather than rendering super visibly complex scenes with tens or hundreds of thousands of objects, it does math in the background and figures out, hey, those ones are far away. Hey, those ones are being blocked by these ones in the forefront, etc., etc., and assign them different levels of detail to be render at. So in the Asteroids example that I did play around with in Cologne, Germany, a year and a half ago, 
you flew a spaceship through a big field of 300,000 asteroids, and it ran about 50 frames per second. Because even though it had 300,000 objects on the screen, the mesh shading reduced the number of drawn triangles at any given point to around 13,000 drawn objects, down from the maximum of 3 trillion potential actual triangles I was supposed to do. So it drastically reduces the workload on your GPU. Being smart, yet again. And the the final big addition to DirectX 12 Ultimate is called Sampler Feedback. What it basically does is, again, lets your GPU intelligently use the texture subsystem to talk to the shading subsystem and say, hey, you know, we can just move this thing that we've already rendered. Rather than re-rendering it every single frame, we can just reuse it. Uh, Either the examples NVIDIA gave were in a VR setup. Uh, You render the scene, it's going to your left eye. They just slightly change the angle and project it to the second eye. Uh, so you don't have to render the scene again for the second eye. It just, you know, does the smarts to do it. <clears throat> and the other example for 2D games they use for that is they call it texture streaming. So it's basically, in the example they gave, if there's a mountain way far in the background, you know, doesn't have a high level of detail, doesn't have dynamic lighting changing things on it, you can just keep reusing the same shaders that you're used to render the scene. You can tell it to refresh rather than every single frame wasting all that GPU power. You can tell it to be reused every other frame or every 10 frames or however much, you know, you think your engine needs again to save performance. So all these, you know, all these three extra technologies aside from ray tracing are really to work smarter, not harder and boost performance even more. I think, it'll wind up being a big part of if the Xbox Series X gets to be as powerful as Microsoft keeps saying it can be. I would not be surprised if developers embracing these sort of technologies are the things that do enable that. And since DirectX 12 Ultimate, again, unifies DirectX 12 development across Xbox and PCs, that means any of those technologies like this being used to develop Xbox games are going to work the exact same on Windows. So, again, rising tide floats all boats. This is good for us, too. Right. Uh, we, it's a really clever strategy. I was just going to say, uh, we, we had this question the last episode, but um, <clears throat> somebody else wants to know as well. John Williams is asking, Brad, are you still going to recommend the RX 5700-XT? It's dead on arrival in regards of DX12 Ultimate. Uh, I mean, it's not dead on arrival. It's been around for almost a year at this point. <laughs> but still, it's going to depend on how quick we see Ray Trace games do start being supported. You're correct, 5700 XT does not support these technologies. Uh, that being said, it still plays games fine. You're still going to see PC games coming out that support. They're not just going to ditch those graphics cards that just came out. It's it's yeah. going to be extra features that can be used. Yeah, and I, I mean, I obviously have been on the record for very much being in favor of of Nvidia's original RTX stuff, even though people get angry at me. But the PC is built on legacy. We we don't throw people overboard, as I, I've said many times before. You know, if you're a developer, you're not going to stop supporting older cards because you want to sell that person. Uh, 
uh, a game. So 5700 XT will work. Uh, GTX 980 will work. You know, I mean, if RX 580 will work in PC gaming. You will not be able to get. 1080 Ti will still work. 1080 is is a fine <laughs> car for six hundred and fifty dollars, right? <laughs> but what, my feeling though is like, if you want the newest, coolest stuff, yeah, you can't recommend a fifty seven hundred XT for that, right? If you want all the eye candy, yeah, but if you want bang for buck, I mean, you can get a lot of traditional gaming firepower for. Three hundred dollars to three hundred and thirty dollars these days with the fifty seven hundred that you would pay four hundred dollars for on the Nvidia side of things. So, yeah, I mean, I I still think it's just all about what what you want out of it. And you know, the truth is, the vast majority of games people will play will not have ray tracing. Even and remember how of it. I agree. I think eventually a lot of them will. Yeah, for uh, Maybe not necessarily in the next year or two, although I think we are going to start seeing adoption pick up now that these consoles are coming. Uh, but do remember how long it took DirectX 12 baseline games to come out and start supporting those features. We kept saying for years, because AMD was playing up on its side, hey, we support asynchronous compute. We're great for DX12. It took three or four years for games to come out and fully support that. We're only just now starting to see games that regularly come out with DirectX 12 baseline, not DirectX 12 Ultimate. So temper your expectations. I would expect these technologies to be picked up and starting to get implemented fairly quickly, but I don't think it's uh, hey, this is all just going to start happening next month kind of a deal. Yeah, and and again, I as I actually like it, when I, when I think the classic battle right now was 2060 Super or, or 2070 versus a 5700 XC. Mm-hmm. If you believe and you don't want to miss out on the cool new bling that you might get, we don't know really know how it's going to look in the end, then you may want to go that road. But if you're going to buy a car and use it for 24 months and then you want the next-gen you know, uh, AMD or you want the next-gen Nv- NVIDIA part, then 5700, you know, sort of as conventional video cards are fine. It's not going to break your experience necessarily. It's all yep. about how comfortable you are paying for future proofing, which often gets you far and oftentimes gets you nothing too. So it's always, I, it's always a risk. I think that's a good point. It depends on your timetable, like you're saying, because if you are the kind of person who upgrades every generation, every other generation, it's no problem whatsoever. And not that there's any problem whatsoever at any time investing in something like the RX 5700, which doesn't have ray tracing. But if you're going to buy a graphics card and you tend to hold on to your graphics card for four, five, six years, it might be worth a little bit of extra money to make sure you get some sort of ray tracing capability. I, I do have a question, though, Brad, on this Ultimate. Because, I, I mean, I look back in the entire history of Microsoft's DirectX, I don't think you've ever done an Ultimate. Brand, <laughs> it's, just, it's a little no. like... I mean, because I, in fact, in the call, I was like, I thought, well, is this like a feature set? You know, like sometimes they will do extensions to DirectX to specifically support. They've done this in the past where they have like, you know, DirectX X underscore one that supports AMD features. And they'll have an underscore two to support NVIDIA features because Microsoft, they want everybody to be supported because that's what the greatness of DirectX. But I was a little confused by this because this this really is no change for... For us on on the PC, well, 
I mean, there is a change. There is a change as is in now. If you want a DirectX 12 card, they're gonna have to support these features. It has been available on the PC in the form of RTX 20 series, but they weren't codified necessarily into DirectX 12, so they didn't have to be supported. And things that don't have to be supported across the board as a standard get supported less. Like uh, NVIDIA during our briefing brought up the fact that, hey, we introduced mesh haters a year and a half ago. All we can show you is this demo because no developers have actually put out a game that uses it. Now that it's going to be in the console, now that it's going to be on AMD software, now it's going to be in NVIDIA software too, there's a much greater chance of the technology actually getting you know devel- used by developers. Mm-hmm. But really, the ultimate branding, as I'm sitting here reading Microsoft's dev blog, which after the embargo lifted for this, so I didn't have access to Microsoft's blog before I, I just had NVIDIA's information. Uh, it's really clear to me that they're calling it Ultimate because they consider it the unifying source between console and PC. They call it a force multiplier for the entire gaming ecosystem. You know, They're not independent anymore. Now, when Xbox Series X releases, there'll be millions of DX12 Ultimate graphics cards already out there with the same feature set. And when things get brought to console gamers, the PC will benefit from the vast surge of new DX12 Ultimate capable hardware. So now that there's going to be so much DX12 Ultimate out, uh, hardware out there in the console, people are going to develop for it for the PC too. That's why they're calling it Ultimate. Hmm. Uh, but I'm, <clears throat> oh, go ahead. Well, one thing I, I just want to make sure uh, it's clear. So like, if I go and I look like, uh, and I buy a, a 5700 XT or 1080 Ti, Yep, those are DX12 cards, right? Yes. So if I but if I go out and I buy an RTX 2070 or 2080, those are DX12 Ultimate cards. Yes. Sort of. That's it. That's kind of like the one thing I yes. wanted to make sure. Was. So hundred percent correct. Because a lot of it was like, you know what, 5700, 1080, they, they run DX12 just fine because they are yep. DX12. Basically, the ultimate is got it. So when yeah. I go out and buy a card, if you want to make sure is what you're going to look for. <laughs> right. So once you, if you buy a laptop, you're going to want to see DirectX 12 Ultimate to know if it supports DXR. Yep. 100%. That's what it's going to be. Um, Whether it's AMD or NVIDIA or Intel. So uh, Dennis Siberian asked earlier, um, how does it affect the Vulkan API? Uh, it just had ray tracing added to it. Can it be a cheap alternative for DX12 Ultimate? Huh, that's funny because we were just talking about it last week and I was like, I was talking with them about so I'm not sure if it's public or not. <laughs> Turns oh. out it wasn't. Uh, yeah, so they released uh, Vulcan, direct, uh, Vulcan Ray Tracing themselves. Uh, DS12 and Vulcan are separate entities. Uh, Vulcan can be used... It's open, I believe. It is open. So it can be used across all kinds of things. It can be used on Android. It can be used on PCs. Uh, I would say there's a decent chance that it could be used in something like the PlayStation 5. Uh, they're separate. They're both driven by the industry, though. Like, it, people from NVIDIA, people from Intel, people from AMD are part of the, the Kronos group that develops Vulkan as well. So, DirectX 12 Ultimates announcements here don't directly affect Vulkan, but the two standards kind of, you know maintain lockstep with each other, so I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see support for mishaders and stuff in the future for Vulcan. We'll have to see. Right. Although that for the large for the most part, PC is feels like it's ninety nine percent DirectX. Yeah, it's more it's more for Linux. 
Linux, yeah. and it used to be Macs as well, but now Apple uses Metal. So yeah. So yeah, good question. But yeah, they're 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 separate. They're kind of similar, but separate. Any other questions? Uh. No, Brent just said, uh, Brent P in YouTube just said, uh, AMD needs a solution similar to DLSS to recover some performance. Do you know anything uh, that could help on the AMD side? Yes, actually. Uh, when they were talking about the Xbox Series X reveal earlier this week, when Microsoft and AMD were talking about that, there's no guarantee that the GPU inside of the Xbox Series X will directly translate over to RDNA two Radeon GPUs that are coming out later this year. That being said, they likely will because the Xbox uses a custom chip. They don't have dedicated tensor cores like NVIDIA does for DLSS. What they're doing instead is they put more of other kind of shader technology in there that is better suited for machine learning so they can do the same kind of task just using more traditional style software rather than loading up the die with tensor cores that are dedicated to machine learning. So we'll have to see how it turns out. Uh, it's kind of nebulous from what they were saying, but they do have a solution in place. It sounds like we'll have to see how it actually works out. I, I got, I got a question, Brad. Does, do you think this, this basically, you know, cause I'll, we're going to talk about PS five later, but it really feels like, Things are really stacked against PlayStation 5 now. Uh, Not only the hardware, but now on the software side, because Microsoft has essentially embraced PC gaming, right? What has been happening in the PC? And they've been doing this for a while. They've been very closely related. But now it's like, you know what? It's just like you make one game for PC and console. Hardware is very similar. All this coolness. That 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 makes Xbox... Like, really, it just feels like it's going to be really hard for PlayStation to defeat that because the resources of fighting not just the Xbox itself, but now you're fighting PC gaming and all of development that goes into both platforms. And the fact that you buy the game on uh, on whatever Xbox Live and you get on, you know, on PC and you get it on Xbox. Yeah, it's really, really cool. I actually, as a PC-focused person, I like the way Microsoft's version is, like, holistically i obviously i do still think playstation 5 is going to sell enough that developers are still going to make for it but it really seems to me like microsoft setting everything up to make it as easy as possible for developers to make their game have it run everywhere within the the microsoft ecosystem the windows xbox ecosystem i like it i can't wait to see what happens with it i I love kind of you know the poetic of this announcement with DirectX 12 Ultimate because I think I brought it up on a recent episode. Uh, the reason it's called the Xbox is because it was supposed to be Direct Xbox. So, you know, it's kind of bringing it full circle. Yeah, and it also is a, is a, a huge change because, you know, I know people think I'm an old crank about, about old wars, but at one point, Xbox was seen as a, the replacement for PC gaming. And that's, that's yeah. just simply... and. Microsoft's own view was sort of that way. There were certainly divisions that, like, why should we push PC gaming? Let's let's push this. That's why a lot of people have always sort of felt this antagonism from from Xbox. But I find this this approach to be 
really like you know it's 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 clear that Microsoft is you know embracing it and and going to use it as a strength against their competitors right now. Yep, love to see it. To me, it's like GeForce Now. It's you know just a very semi-open and PC-centric, option-centric approach, and I'm always all for that. So, uh, speaking of competition, I, I think we should switch over to, to PS5, right, and go over those specs. Um, Brad, why don't, why don't, you, right. why don't yeah. you fill us in? I, I read a, a nice Kotaku article, like kind of comparing directly the Xbox Series X to the PS5. But I know Gordon; uh, he's he's in the dark a little bit on on what's in there. Uh, so yeah, so basically, uh, TLDR, PlayStation 5 was also announced. It has a ridiculously fast SSD that promises to reduce world streaming times, basically loading times. Uh, it has a ridiculously fast graphics chip that actually uses AMD's new smart shift technology that's being built for Ryzen 4000 laptops. They're using that in the console uh, to hit frequencies much, much faster than anything we see on the desktop or even the Xbox Series X. Uh, that being said, the CPU runs slower than the Xbox Series X's, and it has much fewer compute units. Uh, what we were talking about the other day turned out to be true. It runs 36 compute units, so four less than a Radeon RX 5700 XT, which is AMD's current Radeon champion on desktops, uh, whereas the Xbox Series X has 52, I believe it was? Something like that. Over 50, either 50, 52, something like that. Compute units. Yeah, so it has many more compute units. They're going to be running a little bit slower. Uh, that being said... Using Smart Shift, the PlayStation 5's GPU can run a little bit faster in pure clock speed. And as we know from the PC space, a lot of games really like single-thread performance and clock speed. So we'll have to see how the difference lines up in real life. But at this point, it looks like the Xbox Series X is flat-out going to be faster than the PlayStation 5 and everything except for possibly SSD performance. And that includes ray tracing, because by having so many more compute units available to it, it's going to have that much more ray tracing hardware available to it as well, the Xbox Series X. So ray tracing, I'm going to say should, but I would almost certainly say will be faster on the Xbox Series X than the PlayStation 5. And the other thing I, it, it does, and this is Elena mentioned this in the chat. She's like, oh, see, M.2. You guys are like, they're all, you know, she was very happy about that and thought it was a good thing. Yeah. They also, M.2, NVMe SSD. Theirs is super fast. I didn't dive that far into that because it's been a really uh, busy, busy week. But yeah. yeah, it looks, both of these look amazing. Don't get me wrong. They're both going to be ridiculously more powerful than what's available now. Jaguar cores were old when they were announced in the original consoles. They're freaking ancient mummies now. Both of these run modern Ryzen things. Next-gen RDNA 2 GPUs. Uh, and the PlayStation 5, as I was saying, it, it 
gives a set power target. It doesn't, and what it does is it uses AMD Smart Shift and other technologies, which is showing up in laptops. So, like when the GPU is working harder, it'll take power away from the CPU to give it to the GPU if it's available, and vice versa. So, if you're running like an open world game that really hammers the CPU, if there's a little bit of extra give on the GPU side, it'll take some away from there and it'll allocate it to the CPU. So, it's always aiming to give you the best possible performance for the actual game that you're playing right now in a smart way. You know what I, I was kind of interested too, because I it, there were a couple things that I I did read into, and that was the storage again, like on the on the PS5. Uh, I know that in the Xbox they have sort of a custom Seagate developed expansion card, mm-hmm. and I was just it was interesting to me that they're both pushing storage performance so hard in both well, of those consoles. Have you so, ever tried a console with their 50 Has he ever tried a console? 500 RPMs? They're so bad right now, dude. <laughs> yeah. But also, I mean, it, yeah, actually, it's, it's going to add features like a, like we talked about last episode, you know, the quick resume and stuff, uh, you know. They're they're really pushing quick load times, quick resume, things that that either bring it on par with PC or, you know, in some ways offer something the PC doesn't have. So, yeah, yeah. I did read part of uh, Richard Ledbetter's deep dive on the PS5 uh, from Eurogamer, and he said that it's you know PCI four, but the construction of it is like it's a little odd duck. It's like eight hundred odd gigabytes, and that is yeah. because it's a it's a twelve channel SSD made specifically for the PlayStation. It is it is compatible with the standard M.2. But he was made this point, like most M.2s, uh, well, all M.2 PC SSDs and laptops are just simply aren't up to the challenge. So it sounds like in the future, if you have a PS5 and you want to upgrade your M.2, you're going to have to get a Sony-approved one. So I, I, I thought it was very interesting, one, because, uh, you know, clearly they have this 12-channel SSD custom designed for the Sony for the PS5, it, it's going to smoke. It's really going to smoke, you know, even probably our fastest SSDs in the PC. Yeah. But I, it, and, and I kind of wish Elena was here, but she was very happy. It was like, it's an industry standard M.2. She, she's in the, but, the chat, so she, she'll... Uh... So, but, but my, I mean, I love open standards. I think they're great on PC because we can sort of deal with it. But on console, I, I do wonder if that's a mistake because Microsoft's expansion port is a custom design card little cartridge that you put in people can't screw that up right yep so on console it's a little bit of a different customer and if they see an m.2 slot they're going to go out and they're going to buy the cheapest two terabyte you know sata m.2 jamming in their ps5 and it ain't going to work and then be like what so i i do wonder if that was a little bit of a mistake like i would honestly favor microsoft's for people not screwing themselves up versus you know the the Sony thing, but I guess the argument would be nobody's ever going to upgrade it anyway. Well, no. I I agree with you. I actually think proprietary the proprietary solution works a little bit better there for what consoles are because consoles are proprietary, seamless, smooth experiences. That's the whole dream of them, right? So I actually like Microsoft's approach. I like that Sony is letting you use off the shelf M.2 NVMe drives. I hope that they. I don't know if they will because they're not heavily tied into PC hardware ecosystem, but I hope that they will launch some sort of certification program 
so that they could say, hey, this is an optimal SSD for us, PS certified, stuff like that. That's that's yeah. my hope because I think there will be a lot of confusion over performance levels. Definitely. Yeah, but I mean, just knowing from and another point to this, which I mean is, uh, I think a point for uh, bad for proprietary uh, is that uh, Vignesh makes a good point that games are so huge now that you know only one terabyte baked in there, and you're going to have to spend probably the extra money for proprietary storage to upgrade. Like one terabyte, that's that's not huge. That's not a lot, especially when games are clocking in at, at 100 gigs easily. You know, you're talking 10 right. games at 100 gigs, like, you know, and then you're filled With up. 4K in textures. Yeah. 8K textures. Yeah, that official Xbox Series X expansion drive from Seagate, they haven't announced pricing, but it's not going to be cheap. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, so the issue then is, well, one, don't buy a console with anything less than one terabyte drive because you will immediately regret it, right? Uh, the other thing is, yeah, I, I'm going to imagine that Sony will certify them, but I'm hoping that they're actually going to, Sony will go one step further. And when you put your little cheap SSD that you got into your PlayStation 5, it'll go out, performance test it, and says, this is no go. You know, you bought the wrong thing. So return it and go buy a Sony certified one, hopefully. Uh, I will say, like, I, on the Nintendo Switch, they sold certified micro SD cards for the Nintendo Switch. The the markup was huge over just yep. a standard micro SD card. There was no difference. I did some bunch of testing, and it, it did not matter. All of it was, frankly, slow. So, you know, and I think that's sort of, for most console people, they're going to like, yeah, you're just trying to rip us off with your certified crap, right? You know, I've got to have a certified controller or whatever. I'm going to buy aftermarket but in this, it will make a big difference, I would think. Yep. Uh, we do have a, a, a different related question from uh, Timothy. Uh, I heard somewhere that the new DirectX storage stuff, fast SSD loading, is coming to Windows. Did Brad cover that already? You heard that on PCWorld.com, where actually my colleague Mark Hockman did a great piece on it. Uh, he did a great follow-up piece. I looked at the overview of the Xbox Series X earlier this week, then he went in with a deep dive specifically into that. Uh, direct storage is, they've said that in some way it's coming to uh, Windows 10. They haven't gone into details about it. They did not go into more detail about it today as part of the DirectX 12 Ultimate specifications. Which I am not surprised to buy because DirectX 12 is, DirectX in general is a graphics API. So I would have been shocked to see something like Direct Storage worked in there. But it's coming to Windows in some way. They haven't announced any technical details, they haven't announced any sort of time limit. But if you go to PCWorld.com or just Google the backbone of Xbox Series X ultra-fast storage technology is coming to Windows, my colleague Mark Harkman will break down everything that we know about it so far. It's funny. There's so much emphasis in both platforms on storage. I love it, though. It was like an Achilles heel of this last console generation, for sure, so... Yeah, I I wouldn't know. So I know, it wasn't, <laughs> I know I know that wasn't great with anything hard drive bases. That's why I recommend even if you're a budget buyer, not 
go go the distance yeah. and and do the pain of an SSD. So uh, yeah, but that again, the important part is again the rising you know tide floats all boats. So now these developers, when they make Red Dead Redemption three or they make Grand Theft Auto six, when they make these open worlds and all kinds of other games, they're going to be targeting these faster SSDs. So load times hopefully should go down in general. I would hope on for PC games as well. Uh, the flip side of that being, if you are still gaming off a traditional hard drive, your load times might really, really start to suck because developers aren't going to be optimizing around spinning platters. Do you think this says something about the future of games on all platforms? Because, I mean, yeah, it's awesome to have really high-speed storage for a game, but... You know, I mean, most games, you have that, whatever, 10-second load time, you're in the game, you don't really need, like, you know, 5 gig reads yep. to uh, your, your your stores, if I swear. On the console, though, it's not 10 seconds, you're talking about PC, like, yeah, yeah. on the right. console, you're talking about, but like, I a mean, minute, you know. <laughs> no, but I, I think the assumption is, uh, yeah, that's fine for just level loads when you first start, but I'm wondering if... Both Microsoft and Sony are anticipating the future of all games on the PC and on console to really emphasize, you know, it really aids open open worlds, right? I mean, yep. just that experience where you just like it's it's never ending and it's always streaming in and it doesn't break that. It doesn't break the, the experience of stopping and loading the next set for 10 seconds, you know. So yep. I'm, I'm wondering if that's what they're trying to get a handle on, because I, I mean, for most games, you don't need incredibly fast storage even on console you you do the pain of that load i mean what 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 else do you need it's it's the pain of i think it's smart for several reasons one being you know consoles are supposed to be they just work they're supposed to be the apple dream basically they're supposed to be it used to be you put your nintendo cartridge in you press power and you played the game this last generation with its slow hard drives like, as we're getting towards the end of the generation, now open-world games, like you're saying, they're, like, the hotness. Like, so many games are open-world games these days, and those things chug ass on consoles. Like, oh. that, it's not just the initial load that you're saying. If you fast travel somewhere and it has to load all that other stuff in, if, it if chugs you die ass and you have to again. respawn. Yeah. yeah. Mm, interesting. So, I, so we don't... I think this fixes it. <laughs> I have... I have no experience with that. <laughs> so, I was, my you know, my Nintendo Switch has an SD card, so <laughs> I don't either. I'm wondering though, is there so? Last thing though about performance, it sounds like it's going to be just man, it's going to be a beatdown, right? It looks like it very well <laughs> might be. Uh, that's I mean, again, thanks to Smart Shift and the way that they're doing the power management. Like, the PlayStation's GPU is incredibly fast. Like, it's 2.2 plus gigahertz. That's way more than we see on the on the desktop with the 5700 XT. That's 300 megahertz faster than the Xbox Series X. That said, having so many more compute units in the Xbox Series X, the Xbox Series X clock speed is going to be locked at a fixed rate faster than the 5700 XT on desktop is, uh, it's going to be a beast. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm really at this point to me, I'm like, I got to see the pricing on these things. Cause I think it, the Xbox has already won the performance front. Although I think the PlayStation will have wins because of that higher frequency, 
but in general, I think the Xbox already is going to win this on a pure hardware front. There won't be any of those old debates like, oh, Dark Souls loaded two seconds faster on the PlayStation 4 than the Xbox One. We're not going to really see that. Unless they uh, that... pull a side punch and, uh, and come out with a PS5 Pro that they're holding up their sleeve. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, they're on the phone to AMD right now. They're like, hey, guys, <laughs> we would like to design a custom chip that has 52. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to come down to price. I'm really curious to see how it all goes. I'm curious to see if my guess of there being a Series S that matches this oh, I'm sure. winds up being correct. Yeah, which... Well, do it, you... Yeah. No, I, d- I definitely think that's the way it's going to be going. Uh, Xbox needs something at that lower, at that lower tier. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you buy Sony's rationale that we're smaller and nimbler? That's the whole thing. We have fewer compute units, but we have higher clocks. Do you buy into that thing? Because I'm like, yeah, that is just like it's great marketing. It's good marketing <laughs> to say, like, yeah, we we did not anticipate Microsoft putting, we did not anticipate Microsoft paying AMD more money than we did. Is what it comes down yeah. to. Because it feels like it's going to come down to how much it costs to build these things and Microsoft clearly put more money into, right? Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's good marketing. I do think they will have wins. I think that the higher clock speed is the smart shift usage is really smart. I think we didn't really have a chance to talk about it today, but they're leading real hard into 3d audio, uh, yeah. which could be cool. I mean, that's something that's old hat on PCs, never really blown up again. Hopefully like all this direct X stuff, Hopefully it gets embraced by consoles and it starts to work its way to us. That'd be great. So I yeah. think they will have wins, but in general, I think it's marketing, a lot of it marketing, because the Xbox Series X is going to be faster. Uh, so I had a question earlier from a friend of the show, uh, Dennis uh, Siberian, asking, uh, other than full mouse and keyboard support, are, and now that we know all the specs, I mean, are these are these just PCs? At this point, no, because I can't run the Epic Game Store. I can't do taxes. I can't like the power of the PC is still its versatility. It's the fact that it's not a walled garden. These things might as well be PCs. Like, there's the reason all these games are backwards compatible now. It's because consoles in this current generation, with the Xbox One and the PlayStation Four, embraced PC architecture x86. Now they're continuing that forward, so they're continuing backwards compatibility forward, which is great. For console gamers, but is still a walled garden. To me, the power of the PCs and its flexibility, the flexibility of choice, people hate on the Epic Game Store, but I'm glad that the Epic Game Store is there handing out free games every week. You can go get Watch Dogs for free today. I'm glad GOG is there. I'm glad Steam is there. You're not going to find that on either of these. Yeah. Gordon just nods. He's like, yep. <laughs> Gordon's like, oh, well, I can't wait to not buy these. <laughs> I yeah, I I have zero interest, frankly. I'm it's not it's not my thing. It never has been my thing. I, I do want to talk about the HRTF that they're going to use in the PlayStation Five, though. I thought that was really interesting. One, they even sort of implied that they're going to have a a creative like um, feature where you take a picture of your ear for if you don't know that creatives uh, what Super X Five. They actually look at the shape of your ears to try to model the the HRTFs and all the fancy 3D audio. And it sounds like PlayStation 5 will have that. Uh, going back in the history of the PC, we had that in the, in the 1990s. Um, PC gaming audio basically got thrown overboard by Microsoft with Windows Vista. 
I would really be excited if Microsoft says, yeah, that all the fancy stuff they're doing on the on the PS5 with the 3D audio and all that stuff. We need to we need to get we need to take Direct Sound 3D and, and make it a thing again. That would be that would be really awesome. I think. Hell yeah! Yep. I think I mean, and especially having having that technology as the backbone is there, which would be good. Uh, it's the Super X Vice stuff that actually models your your personal head shape that that takes it to that next level. Yep. So you know if. Uh, Super XY does work on PS4 right now and the Switch, but not on Microsoft because they they close off their uh, their system like that. But yeah, I mean, it, if they can add that on top of it, that would just be that would be awesome. That'd be a big win for uh, us as audio lovers. Now, a thing yep. that is unrelated but semi-related to this that I thought was really cool about all this 3D audio is just to show how big of a jump this console generation is going to be. Mark Cerny, who is the PlayStation system architect, said that the 3D audio, the, the processing unit for it, uses roughly the same amount of power and bandwidth as all eight of the Jaguar cores in the PlayStation 4 combined. So they're putting enough power just to this 3D audio that they have in the whole original PlayStation 4. So that's just, to me, illustrates how big of a jump this is going to be. Even if the PlayStation 5 is slower than the Series X, it's going to be a huge leap forward. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for, and also that Jaguar. Yeah, yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, yeah, the the PS the PS five is definitely going to be a huge jump over the PS four, even the Pro. Um, but yeah, we're we're running short on time a little bit. Do we want to wrap this up and and take some questions? Sure. Yep. Okay, let me get uh, let me get some questions. Uh, there's oh. a, the the full nerd uh, Discord uh, description in the. Uh, in the description, uh, you can find the link to go over there and, and put in your questions uh, any time of the week, and we will read them on the show. Um, here's a couple of recent ones. Um, CV on Discord uh, is asking, can you comment on the next version of Windows, Windows 10X, providing a similar suspend per game feature for PCs with containerized apps? That's a good wow. idea. That'd be super cool. Uh, I hope it comes to all of Windows 10, not just Windows 10X. Uh, Windows 10X is being built around containerized apps, like you said. Again, my colleague Mark Hockman has actually done a lot of cool coverage of Windows 10X, so go check that out if you want. Uh, it's it's an interesting idea because that could be part of the DirectX storage capabilities that they're teasing is coming to Windows, right? Something like Fast Resume using containers. That would be great. Uh, I'm hoping it's not dedicated to Windows 10X because 10X is designed for dual screen, probably lower power, lighter weight devices, whereas full-blown Windows 10 is where you will find your desktop PCs. Uh, But I would love to see that technology being used for good for something like that. That's a good thought. That might wind up being part of the system, actually. Nice. Uh, We have a $5 super chat from L-M-N-O-P-O. Hey, that's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) It took me a second. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Uh, Microsoft is mentioned to have dedicated hardware just for audio processing, like we were talking. Is Sony marketing software through its CPU? For For audio, HRTFs? Yeah. I imagine it's hardware as well. It's dedicated hardware because they're... Yeah, it is. Yeah, and this is... Not not really new. Uh, 3D audio, HRTF processing, and, and even 
in the 90s was too much for a normal, you know, general processor. So dedicated hardware is the way to go for this. Okay. Uh, here's one from... Uh... They both they both are definitely going to have dedicated audio chips, by the way. And the PlayStation, when I was just saying it uses as much power as the whole PS4, that's specifically talking about that chip. Cool. Uh, so a uh, question here from uh, Boria. Since 6-core, 12-thread won't be bottlenecking game performance, even though games will be developed for 8-core, 16-threads on consoles, should Intel release a 6-core, 12-thread CPU on 14 nanometer that clocks to 6 gigahertz for 500 pounds, I don't know what that is, dollars, and have a best gaming CPU by some margin till they jump onto 7 nanometer? I don't think they're capable of getting a, any of their 14 nanometer parts up that high. Even the 5 and that low 5 figure is under very forgiving thermals and very forgiving circumstances. So it's just not – they are at the end of uh, – they are at the end of 14 nanometer. Uh, clearly, the next the next 10th gen parts will push higher clocks You know, because they've been storing these things away. They're going to give you the, high, the very best of all the coffee-like parts you're going to get. So, tenth gen, tenth nanometer, tenth gen. I it will be interesting to me because they may keep the clocks just high enough. You're Adam. That's uh, not doing a good job of muffling it. Oh yeah. no! Well, yeah, <laughs> the micro. I'm muting the micro, the stream microphone. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, okay. It was really throwing us off. I'm sorry. I uh, forgot that this one was still hot. Um, yeah. So. So yeah, so the the next gen, the next gen Intel parts, the tenth gen that's that's coming. I think the argument they're going to make is our clocks are high enough that we are still better in gaming than even AMD's best parts. We're not going to win multi-threaded, but for light loads, we're still in the ballpark, and you may want to look at us. That's that's most likely going to be their entire argument. Yep, on desktop. Uh, Ban Niato is asking, uh, will the human malware problem cause the normal cycle of tech launches to be ever, to be forever pushed back? Uh, launches in the summer go to the fall, winter go to the spring. What do we think at this point? My feeling, no. I honestly think there are parts of the world that you know are are things are was not as harshly impacted. Um, and a lot of the the hardware may still be produced. It won't be certainly as all things normal, but I, I do think a lot of the parts will be coming. Uh, although, you know, it's really interesting that it could benefit Intel in some ways because Intel's problem is they need more time. They need more time, and slowing everything down for everybody may actually benefit Intel getting to next-generation processes. But we'll see, right? Smart take. I like it. Um, uh, along that same angle, Magnum Skywolf, uh, will the NVIDIA Ampere be delayed due to the virus? Well, they haven't officially said, just to use, do my normal disclaimer a bit, they haven't officially announced anything to do with next gen. We're just widely expecting it. That being said, we were kind of hoping, half expecting to hear about at least high level ampere whatever it winds up being called details at nvidia's gtc 2020 event which was supposed to be next week uh that got canceled they said they're going to do a live stream instead that got canceled they said they're going to do announcements 
in the last day or two, the announcements got canceled as well. They said, now is not the time to be announcing stuff like this. So if it was going to get announced there, it's going to get announced later. At this point of the manufacturing and development cycle, I imagine it's pretty locked in. They're just working on building capacity and stuff. We're going to see stuff sooner than later. If it does get affected, I don't think it'd be affected too, too much. Okay, uh, interesting. Uh, a couple more uh, left, and then we'll we'll tune out here. Uh, VC Jester, uh, friend of the show, is asking: since TV and computer makers have kept prices low by using bloatware and/or selling information, do you think there's a chance they will do that with consoles by tracking and selling our gaming habits? Uh, spoilers already probably happening. Although <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'd be interesting, right, with the trial software, because a lot of PC OEMs. It's a revenue stream to have trial versions of antivirus. A lot of, you know, like you get that Dropbox thing on your new laptop. There's just, it's a revenue stream for them. It does lower the cost of the hardware. So I I don't think Microsoft and Sony want to do that, though, because the attitude from a lot of console players is like, no. But, you know, maybe if they have a trial Netflix, you know, client installed on there, because you're going you're gonna to have Netflix anyway. Which they usually do, I think. That's the, that's the thing to remember. Uh, that's the big difference between PCs and consoles, again, is that they are walled gardens. So it, they've always taken a bit of a hit up front in the beginning of a new console generation because they know that they're going to get their cut from the, all the games that are sold from EA and Ubisoft and stuff over the last time the thing. They're going to get their cut from Netflix being sold in the store. They're going to get Xbox Live and Xbox Game Pass money. So I would be very surprised to see bloatware wind up on consoles just because consoles are just set up so much better for the people who sell them to continue making more money as time goes on. Okay, one more and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Nanobi, I was asking, is it worth it to upgrade my 1700X yet? Just gaming at 1440p for now. It depends on what you're pairing it with. Uh, 1440p, I would think it'd still be holding up pretty fine. Uh, Because as you move up in resolution for games, the more of the load gets pushed over to your graphics card. So assuming you're pairing it with a decent 1440p GPU, I think you'd be doing fine. For Just for comparison's sake, I still have an 1800X in my system, uh, and I haven't felt a burning desire to move to one of the newer AMD chips. That being said, third gen Ryzen is much, much faster uh, at gaming performance and single-thread performance than first-gen was, but there's a reason that they use 1080p to illustrate that in benchmarks and in our reviews. 1440p, I think it would make less of a difference, and you wouldn't... I don't know if the feel would be worth the investment that it you would make to buy a new CPU. Yeah, I'm with Brad on that one. It's going to depend on your graphics card and yeah, if you are playing with a 1080 or you know a, a 590 on a, a 1440p, yeah, it's not gonna. It's not most games at that high resolution are GP bottlenecked. So, yeah. Although it would be, you know, a 3700X is a lot faster, but enough to make it pay for it. I think it depends on what you do elsewhere if you're outside of gaming. 
I think for most people, saving money for next-gen graphics card or bigger SSD or the cool RGB keyboard you want might get you more enjoyment that you can yes. Sounds like you might day. want to start save up for an NVMe SSD before the new consoles come. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, we got a lot of uh, a lot of good questions, a lot of chatter uh, on YouTube. Thank you, everybody, uh, and a lot of people uh, making good jokes about Gordon uh, <laughs> sitting in, the, in his car. In car. Yeah, they, well, people were wondering uh, real quick: are, are you sitting in the car to get away from your family, or is your family getting away from you? Like, did they kick <laughs> you out? It's it's both. In fact, I had to send a text message saying, "Hey, stop streaming because you're killing it. You're killing me." But uh, yeah, it's, it's so I could get outside. I also for I, I thought the acoustics might actually be better in a car. It was, it uh, was. So like it's a lot of the exterior noise out, and yeah, I could be sitting on the deck or something. But that's just not that's just not, it would not sound good. So, I gotta say, I know it looks silly. though in New England, who had to be sixty degrees yesterday, sixty six tomorrow, and today it's freaking snowing. Staring at all the green outside your window is killing me, Gordon. <laughs> really? Yeah, I yeah, want it so bad. <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's a lot of green the, on, yeah, going on right now. Yeah, a lot of allergies. Uh, and also, you know, the weather is it's been like 40, Brad. It's been crazy. It's it's gonna get like 44 here. It's really cold. <laughs> yeah, I just want right. to give them that. So that's, that's the gonna... high for us for the rest of the week. So <laughs> <laughs> it was like sunny today. It was just like blue skies, and now it's a little overcast. So. California. Are we ready? Yep. So check back next week for your fix of PC Talk on the Full Nerd. Sorry, I got to read this here. For audio listeners, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Saying questions and comments to the Full Nerd at PCWorld.com. And also remember to review us every time you do. I will pick a unique location to stream from. Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Ung with Brad Charkas. Gog and Steam have a lot of free games right now. Go check them out. And Adam Patrick Murray's going to hit the off switch. Stanley Parable. Go play that. That's a damn good one. Uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, thanks for holding tight with us on this uh, on the quality. We're going to continue to iron this out, and we will be back next week for sure. Yeah.